What's up, everybody? Happy Monday. Welcome into 104 Through the Fans Coffee Breaks. James Merrillat, Rachel V. Hill hanging out with you. On the first day of August, we officially have football this month. So much to be excited about. But James, you're down there at UC Health Training Center. How hot is it? Oh, it's already getting to where you can tell it's going to be a scorcher. So the uh, the crowd's pretty good size today, though. It wasn't just the, the Saturday, you know, back together kind of a thing that they brought out the big numbers. Good crowd today. Uh, they're in shoulder pads and helmets, so they'll get uh, maybe a little little more action than we got in some of the practices last week. So uh, it's going to be a, a nice hot day out there for some football. Oh, man. Yeah. I mean, it was hot last week, and it didn't even near temperatures that we're going to see this week. So if you're headed out to UC Health Training Center, definitely wear some sunscreen. I got sunburned on Friday, so be ready. But big news today is KJ Hamler is off the PUP list after suffering an ACL and um, hip surgery that he had earlier this or I guess last year. Um, looking back, but expected to rebound, and we're excited to see him out there. He's one of these players that I'm really excited to see because, one, He's super fast, and that's going to be exciting. But just seeing how he's able to connect with Russell Wilson and kind of where he's going to end up fitting in this wide receiver core is exciting for me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he brings an element that they really don't have with any other guy. I mean, Jerry Judy does have big playability, but just in terms of blazing breakaway speed, he's that um, he's that kind of X factor or potentially this, that, that kind of X factor for this Broncos offense. So it'll be great to see him back out there. I would pump the brakes a little bit. You know, it's only, what, 10 months, roughly, since he suffered the injuries against the Jets last year and was lost for the rest of the season. Uh, I did see him out there as he came out of the uh, dressing room and, and got on the field and started going through warm-ups. Does have a knee brace on. We saw last year with Cortland Sutton, how uh, with wide receivers, you know, it's a little bit cumbersome. It's a little difficult to kind of get used to it, to uh, to run full speed, make your breaks, do all those kind of things. So we've seen him in many camps, and he, and he looked fine, but getting out there with pads on and, um, you know, going up against a, a, an opposition that's somewhat trying to stop you more so than in, in minicap camp, perhaps it, uh, it could be interesting, but great that he's out there, man, that's, that's impressive, right? We, we've, we've had a lot of conversations in this town about athletes trying to come back from ACLs of late and how long they've taken KJ Hamler being back out there after, after 10 months is, uh, is very, very impressive. So tip of the cap. And only us really finding out two months ago that he even had hip surgery along with the ACL tear. I mean, that came as a shock to a lot of the media because we were completely unaware. Yeah, so kind of the double whammy, right? Coming back from the ACL would be bad enough. You throw in the hip surgery. That's a lot of things to overcome, especially for a guy who, you know, his number one skill set is his legs. It's his speed. Um, so he'll be, uh, he'll be getting a lot of attention today, right? Everybody's always looking at number three. That's first mm-hmm. and foremost. If you start going through your list of kind of who you're watching today, number one's going to be uh, uh, under everybody's microscope a bit in, in his first day returning, which will uh, which be interesting to see. I, I'm really curious. As soon as we're done here, I'm heading out there, and he'll be high atop my list of guys I'm watching today. And he'll be speaking to the podium later too, so kind of get his feel on how day one went. But is he pretty much cemented into these number four wide receivers? Is there any chance that he could make his, maybe work his way up into the top three, James? Uh, you know, that'll, I think that's a stretch, especially coming back from the, the injury. I mean, you know, the three guys that are ahead of him, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, they, you know, both got fairly substantial contract extensions a year ago, Jerry Judy, you know, the highest drafted wide receiver in the history of the franchise. So big investments in all three of those guys, whether it's draft capital or, or in terms of dollars. So to jump them for, you know, KJ Hamler or for anybody, I think would be difficult, but especially when you're trying to work your way back from an injury. I I think if he's just in the mix, if he's, you know, active 
most weeks, if he's making some big plays and helping this team stretch the defense a little bit, I think that would be a win for KJ Hamler, particularly in the first half of the season, right? Between, you know, that game in Seattle and maybe when they go to London, I think that's sort of the feeling out period after the bye week you get in November, December into January for this team, maybe his role grows, but uh, I, I think Rachel, it's a fair question. I think in terms of philosophically, and maybe that's a 2023 topic that becomes a little bit more realistic. I think this is a, uh, you know, walk before you run type of situation. I would honestly be interested to see Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler go one V one when it comes to speed though, because KJ, man, he is fast. Oh, he can fly. Um, you know, all these guys are, are fast, but you know, it, it's, it's crazy when you get out there and you watch players on an NFL field, all of whom are tremendous athletes, but when one of them can kind of stand out that much in, in terms of speed. And we've seen it for years, twice a year, watching the Broncos go up against the chiefs, right. With Tyree kill of all these guys are world-class. All these guys could, you know, win track meet after track meet after track meet. And yet when he's on the field, he's able to just run by guys. Like he's got a whole nother gear. KJ Hamler isn't that type of player, but for the Broncos, he certainly is that element, the speed element. So um, getting him back is uh, is going to be value if, if valuable. If nothing else, it's just a threat, right? It's a you know that's part of why I think the Chiefs' offense is going to take a fairly big step backwards this year. Is without Tyreek Hill, it's like okay, well you don't have that scare factor, right? The the teams are kind of back on their heels. We saw in, in their in the Chiefs' playoff win over the Bills. The Bills were so afraid of giving up that one big play to. Tyreek that they let everything happen right in front of him and the Chiefs got in field goal position to, to able to uh, to kick the game tying field goal right there at the end so you know I'm not saying he's that but if he can be Tyreek Hill light and just you know put a little bit of a thought in, in defen- defenses of hey this is a guy that could run by us that would be big for this offense. Absolutely. A quick little update, though, on the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes um, went off to the side at training camp for the Chiefs because he's got his foot stepped on. So just something to be a little aware about. You know, a lot of Twitter talk about how he may have tweaked his ankle a bit, but we also have another injury update here at Broncos. K1 Williams, he's not practicing today um, after he got an MRI on his knee over the weekend. So just something to be on the lookout for, too, as, you know, we kind of start getting into these what they quote-unquote call the dog days of training camp, right, where we start seeing more injuries because they are out there practicing all the time now yeah and this is a you know an interesting week right because last week was didn't start till wednesday they had the three practices before the the saturday padded up practice but friday was kind of a walkthrough now we got six straight days here starting today all the way through saturday another day off and then a short week before um they start working with the with the cowboys so this is kind of really that stretch of really will be kind of those true dog days i mean you know it's nothing like how it used to be, Rachel. I'm going to play old guy for you a little bit. When we used to go up to Greeley and it seemed like it went on for six weeks and just was never ending. So um, it's not quite that, but yeah, this is that stretch where you're going to see guys get, you know, kind of nicked up and, you know, bumps and bruises. And A1 Williams is going to be uh, a guy to keep an eye on though, because that he was kind of penciled in there as the, as the third corner, Pat Sertan, obviously on one side, Ronald Darby on the other, he was being counted on to fill that role. So Creates opportunities for other guys. Is it uh, you know Nate Harrison, Michael Ojemudia, who steps up and uh, takes advantage of it? We'll we'll uh, start to see starting today. Oh, absolutely, Mike Evans. He kind of took the Twitter world by storm this morning and the 104.3 The Fan. Um, 
kind of just by an interesting talk around Russell Wilson's contract. So he says, I get it. We're so desperate after years of bad QB play. We just want to pay Russ whatever he wants. Why? Because we're desperate and insecure and we don't want any reason for Russ not to like us. That shouldn't be reason to shell out a record contract. Mike says, so help me out. We just did these tier QB debates. Everyone seems cool putting Russ in tier two. Yet we're supposed to give him a record setting bar raising tier one deal before we've even seen him play a game for the Broncos. So there's one more too that he's got because um, he was really, he was defending himself on Twitter this morning, everybody. And he said, you have two years left. Of course you're going to commit to him, but why now? What's the rush other than the weak argument of the price could go up? Give me other reasons. And James, as always, you got something to say about this. Yeah. Well, other, you know, I like how Mike says, other than the weak argument of the price will go up. Well, why is that a weak argument? Just because he declares it a weak argument? Like, no, that's one of the main reasons, right? Like, you know, Kyler Murray and Deshaun Watson, two guys who have big question marks about them for various reasons, right? We just saw Deshaun Watson getting suspended. So that was obviously a situation that hadn't been resolved when he got his deal. Kyler Murray coming off a late season fade and a playoff collapse. I mean, he was awful in that playoff game against the Rams. He gets a big contract. So clearly Russell Wilson's going to get one. What are you going to lowball Russell Wilson? Uh, it's just the way it works when you're a top flight quarterback and your contract's up, you're going to be the new highest paid guy. Now it may last for a week. It may last for a year. We'll see. But next off season, it's Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. Those two guys are going to massively reset the market. So, you know, a $250 million deal for Russell Wilson this year would be record setting. It, I mean, that could be 280, 300 next year. Who knows where it's going to go with Burrow and Herbert in the mix. So, I think to call that a weak argument is silly. And the other part of it is, you know, you the, you get into next offseason. All of a sudden, there's only one year left on the deal. And, look, I don't think this is going to happen. But what if Russell Wilson decides, hey, this place is a mess, right? Nathaniel Atkins, the first-time head coach. What if, what if he doesn't know what he's doing? Like, I think he does. I think they're going to be good this year. I, I think he's going to be I, – I don't think there should be any of this runway of, like, oh, it's going to take some time. Like, no, they need to come out of the gates – you know, hitting on all cylinders. But what if, what if it's a debacle and he says, you know what, man, I thought this is where I want to be, but it's not where I want to be. Like why even allow that to be a 1% chance? You gave up nine assets to get Russell Wilson. The day that the Walton Penner deal goes through August 9th, that should be priority one is locking him up for another five years minimum. Uh, I, I just, you know, he says, why rush? Well, why wait? That's the other counter of this. Like, well, what are you going to see? that's going to change it, right? If he plays great, well, his price is going to go up. If he plays poorly, is he going to be worse than Kyler Murray was at the end of the year and in the playoffs? And he just got paid. If he gets hurt, well, Dak Prescott had his leg go the other direction and he got a huge contract. So what on earth could you possibly be waiting for? Like Mike is like, you know, commitment phobic. He doesn't want to draft a quarterback. And then when they have one who's a nine time uh, a pro bowler in 10 years in the league, he doesn't want to commit money to him. It's like, Okay. I mean, when, when do you want to? So, um, yeah, I was like the rest of Denver driving around this morning, screaming at my radio as Mike was trying to explain this. My only thing, and you know, I really want to have Mike on to kind of give his point of view, but who else would you even want that, you know, is available? So why not just sign him? Because there's no one else that I can really think of. I mean, Jimmy G, I guess, if you really want to have that debate, but I still think I would take Russell Wilson. And Jimmy G's going to get a fairly substantial deal, yeah. right? Like he's not going to come, you know, 
dirt cheap. So that's the other part of the equation of, okay, let's say they decide in the offseason they don't want to give them big money and they want to play hardball, which would be, you know, GM malpractice on the part of George Payton. But let's just play Mike's hypothetical. Well, you can only really bluff if you have a plan to go a different direction. Haven't we seen the last six years that it's really not that hard to go a different direction? Like, you finally kind of get the, you know, gift that comes to you and you're sitting there going, eh, you know, let me see what's behind door number two. Like, you've looked behind all the other doors. It's the, you know, bale of hay and the chicken or whatever it used to be every time on Let's Make a Deal. Like, why on earth would you uh, would you want to go down that route again? Uh, Mike can call that desperate if he wants to, but to mm-hmm. me, it's not desperate. It's a when you see how you know it's like to wander through the desert. You don't get somewhere and they hand you a bottle of Aquafina and you're like, "No, I'd like some Fiji." Like, come on, it's not desperate. Like that, it's just not being ridiculously picky, and that's what to me Mike is trying to do here. So Trey in the comments says Arch Manning is the future, and there are many prospects that can develop into a better QB. Here's where I struggle with this is we saw how amazing Trevor Lawrence was and how Jacksonville was like, oh, we're going to be so good going forward. Look at where Jacksonville is still at. And I know they've got other issues, but a young quarterback can't always lead you everywhere. And after if they would have drafted this, what, four years ago, a young quarterback, and now was his time to shine. But there's still that learning curve that they have to bring in when you bring in a young QB. I like the, you know, cohesion or whatever you want to call it of the Arch Manning idea as much as anybody, but just <laughs> play it out, right? He's still got a year in high school. Yep. Then he's got to go to Texas A&M, play at least three years. Then there's a thing called the draft where there's 31 other teams that may want to get him. Like mm-hmm. the, the odds of him ending up in Denver and it, it, it best case scenario, he would be the answer in five or six years. Like, okay, you'd be at the tail end of Russ's deal. That would make sense to me to have, if you ever could find a way to land the kid to have him here for, for the last couple of years under Russell Wilson. But, I mean, if your plan as a GM is to sit back and say, we're going to wait on a kid who's going into his senior year in high school, <laughs> man, you got some, you got some job security. That's, uh, that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't seem to fly in a win-now league. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, Trey says, I agree, but prematurely paying Russell locks us into a future without even seeing him play first is all I'm saying. We've seen Russ play for many years, in fact. Even if it wasn't in the orange and blue, we know what Russell Wilson is about. So that's the only argument I have on that one, James. Yeah, you haven't seen him play in orange and blue, so you've seen him play for 10 years. He's been to nine Pro Bowls. He's been to two Super Bowls. He's won a Super Bowl. Like, again, did you not see the the 11 guys we did see play in the orange and blue the last six years? Like, (laughs) Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch. I mean, we can rattle them off, right? We've seen the carousel thing over and over and over again. So, again, what would you see in the 17 regular season games this year from Russell Wilson that would make you go, nah, we're good. We'll we'll let him play out his contract and we're going to get back into that mess. Like, really, how bad would he have to be for that to happen? I I can't even come up with a a, a logical answer to that. So, I mean, geez, I'm all for being, you know, cautious, but that's that's the person driving 20 miles an hour in the slow lane. Give me a break. Okay, here's one other point on this is if you are questioning if the Broncos should give Russell Wilson this contract extension now, then you should not be one that was super excited when he came here because then you're kind of putting him in the same boat of all the other quarterbacks we saw in the past couple of weeks because or past couple of years. Because if you don't think he's the future, 
then what the heck are the Broncos even doing with it? Well, and if they don't give him a contract extension, George Payton will be gone. You give up nine assets for a guy for one to two years, like that's not going to happen. I, I mean, the, the only reason it hasn't happened to this to this point in my mind is because they couldn't do it because the sale needed to go through. Again, that is, you know, concluded officially a week from tomorrow. So every day that passes after August 9th and the contract is, extension isn't done, I'm going to start to worry a little bit more and more and more. Not that Russ isn't the answer, but that for whatever reason, the thing doesn't get done. You want to ink him before he decides, hey, I want to go elsewhere. The second divorce is always easier than the first divorce. So don't give him a chance to even con- contemplate or, or look at uh, going somewhere else. It's a it's a crazy notion. I can't even believe we're having this conversation in this town. Like, it's nuts to me. The guy has transformed the organization since he's been here. He hasn't played a game. Like, And I wrote about it today at DenverFan.com. Does he do some things that kind of drive me nuts? Yeah. I, the globe trotting, sure. But I'd rather have a globe trotting quarterback than Trevor Simeon. Do I like that after practice it's a production on the field with he and his family for the latest TikTok video? No, but that's better than Paxton Lynch, right? Like, we're, we're nitpicking at this point. So, um, man, a super talented guy who works his butt off, who's a good leader, who, you know, takes the Broncos from being the getting the C crew or this, the number six crew from CBS every week to the maximum number of primetime games. Like, what do people not get? I, it, I just – I'm floored by it. We could have this conversation all day, but Russell Wilson joined NFL Network on Saturday after Back Together Saturday to talk about the game against the Seahawks. Take a watch. Well, you left a very difficult division to come to one that might be even more difficult at this point. I'm sure the importance of a fast start is on your mind. I can't remember who you're playing week one. I'm sure that that might play into it. Is it the is it the Seahawks that you're playing yeah. week one? You know, I, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want the uh, division. You know, in terms of going leaving from one great division to another great division, I wouldn't want that any other way. And in terms of um, obviously going back home, playing Seattle. Where I've played for 10 years, um, it'll be a, it'll be a great game. They got a great team, and they're gonna have uh, obviously there's so many great players that I respect um, and everything else. So uh, I'm so glad my boy DK just got paid too. That was right. exciting. Yeah. Me, me and him were texting quite a bit, and so I'm uh, excited. What do you send him after after you see the news? I, I told him I said you got dinner this time. Yeah, on him. <laughs> um, but um, you know, so I, I think that it's gonna be a great game, and uh, so much talent on the field. You know, those guys over there with Jamal and and Diggs, and and you got obviously DK Tyler. Um, you know, so many great players, you know, and then I, I think that um, on our end, you know, to see Cortland Sutton out there and, you know, Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy, I mean, it's going to be some of the best talent in the world on that field that night. Yeah. Um, so we're really excited about it. But one thing else is you, you got to play with no emotion, you know. Um, I think people want to try to make it emotional. And, uh, you know, winning's not emotional. Um, really? You know what I mean? It's not emotional. It, it, you can be passionate but not emotional. So I think that that's the thing. Two things on that. One, he's still called Seattle home. It's very interesting to me there. Two, winning is not emotional. Is winning emotional, James? I think when you finally get the win, it's probably emotional. But I get what he's saying, right? Like if you're in a – and he's looking at emotional kind of like from a bad bad thing, right? Like, you know, you're caught up in it and you're up and down and you're all over the place. And I get that. You kind of got to keep your wits about you and, and be a little bit more even keel. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about passion versus emotion. I think we're a little bit getting into semantics here. Um, but I, I think he's just trying to, you know, talk himself into don't get uh, don't get too, you know, kind of 
jacked up or amped up for uh, for this game and make it a bigger deal than it is. It's it's you know, it's one game. That's the mm-hmm. things you try to tell yourself. But again, if you're too emotional, if you're up and down and up and down and, and all over the place, that certainly can uh, affect your play. You kind of do need to be, uh, especially playing that position, a little bit more of you know, right down the middle and, and even keel, and you can be emotional after the win positively or you know emotional if you lose but i think during the game yeah i think he's right you can't be all over the place that that that, that's what causes people to make bad decisions and you know scrap the plan and do things like that as opposed to just kind of sticking with it grinding it out you know the old all the cliches that they say um Mm -hmm. i think that's what he's getting at dalton reisner talked about how they're they're not celebrating anything wins this training camp, but they will celebrate, he says, after they hopefully win the Seattle game because it's a big one. Are you concerned, though, that Russ is calling Seattle still home? Or is that just something that we should be like, oh, you know, he spent so many years there. I'm sure he probably still has something, you know, some attachment back to Seattle. No, I think it's an interesting Freudian slip, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think there's that there's nothing to read into it. But I don't think that there's anything negative really to, to read into it either, right? Like, it's not as though, oh, he's having remorse that he wishes he was still there. Or, again, getting back to our, you know, nutty Mike Evans conversation earlier, he may go a year and be like, I, I want to go back. Like, I don't think it's anything like that. I just think that you spend 10 years in one place, it's hard not to refer to it in the same way you always had. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's I think it's more of that than something that is uh, – is a is a negative or a potentially negative type of a situation. Very much like Vaughn saying we when he was talking about the Broncos a few weeks back. So right. old habits die hard. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Uh, some other rumors that were going around this weekend is that Anavan Kadri for the Avalanche may no longer be an Avalanche player. He might be going to the Islanders, although this has not been confirmed by anybody. Um, Mark Seidel said, just got off the phone with the guy that knows, and I think that Nazem Kadri is done to that New York Islanders. They have cleared out some cap room, and then they'll be announced. I'm far from an insider, but I'm very confident that it's done. Great signing by the Islanders. Nazem Kadri deserves every penny, James. So how sad if this is true for you to see Nazem Kadri leave? Uh, it'd be a big bummer. You know, I think he's a heart and soul type of guy. I don't think he's a heart and soul, the heart and soul of the team, but I think he's one of those type of guys. I think he kind of gives your team a, a personality, and this is a personality that was certainly a winning formula for the abs this season. So uh, that would be big to replace. That's why I would have put him ahead of Valen Nachuskin in terms of my priorities for who I would want to re-sign in the offseason. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that Nachuskin's not a great player, but does he kind of give that, that abs team – that edge and that personality and you know he, he just doesn't he seems more replaceable by just somebody who is a good player who you know plays great when he's surrounded by uh by great players so it would be a big loss I'll believe it when I see it you know I the, the, the part of that tweet that jumped out at me is they got a clear cap space well yes and no right we've heard that with the abs with oh they got to trade Sam Gerard if they're going to do it well eventually but you can be over the cap until you get closer to the season and then you have to make some moves. So they could sign him and then mm-hmm. make moves. Um, not that you necessarily want to go in that order. Cause then everybody's looking around saying, well, somebody has got to go. Who's it going to be? You're, you're playing musical chairs, waiting for the, the song to stop. But uh, that did make me wonder a little bit about it, but man, this seems like it's been going on forever, right? The Nazem Kadri story here we are to August 1st and we still don't know where he's going to be. So it would be a big loss. Keeping my fingers crossed that this is uh just a rumor and isn't actually going to happen. 
the, the longer that this went on, was it more hope in your heart that, you know, maybe Nazem Kadri does return back to the abs? Yeah, for sure. I, I think that that, you know, just starts to show that maybe the market isn't what he expected. Um, other guys sign. And, you know, if you had eight places you could have potentially gone and that gets down to two or three, you know, that decreases the chances that you're going to leave. So, uh, yeah, the longer it's gone on, I've been more and more hopeful. Um, it also makes it to where you, you know, more time you get to think about it. Maybe it's just like, Hey, you know, not that I'm going to give a hometown discount, but not having to change everything and not leaving the Stanley cup champs. And, you know, you kind of can talk yourself into that as opposed to first couple of days of free agency, you've been waiting to hit it. Somebody gives you a big offer. You may jump at it, uh, you know, right away. Um, so it, it has given me hope. I still have that hope, but the more rumors like this, you see, you know, you start to think, okay, there is the very realistic possibility that, uh, that he does leave. But, uh, uh, you know, I, no offense to Mark Seidel here or whoever the, the source was there, but let's, let's wait and see it come from somebody else and get this from a couple of other sources before I start putting too much stock in this rumor. Mm-hmm. Well, another Colorado team, they signed somebody this week. And James, I know you have question marks in your head talking about this one. Daniel Bard's finalizing a contract extension with the Rockies per source. One of the better relievers on the trade market, no longer available. James, what do you think? I like Daniel Bard. I mean, obviously he's a great story, right? He's a really good pitcher. He's, uh, you know, developed into the closer role for the, for the Rockies and has been good at it. Um, but he's a 37-year-old guy that – is he going to be a part of this team when they finally are good, if they ever get good? Like, I just have a hard time believing that. So, you know, at some point you need to start stockpiling prospects. Like, the Rockies are stuck in no man's land. The worst place to be is mediocre, right? Whatever sport you're in, that's the worst spot to be. You either need to be good and be a contender or you need to be bad and have high picks, right? Like, how did the abs get to where they were? Well – you got, you know, McKinnon's a high pick and McCarr's a high pick and Landis Gog's a high pick. And, you know, you pick enough guys in the top five. And if, if you don't swing and miss, you're going to be pretty darn good. Baseball is a different animal, but still, this is a, this is an organization that should be trading away veterans and trying to stockpile prospects. That's what they should be doing. And instead they're keeping their own guys. Like this is a bad baseball team. So how are they going to go from where they're at to being a contender to where Daniel Bard actually matters without, kind of stripping it down and they're just they refuse to ever go that route really since Todd the toddlers back geez in the early 2000s so we're talking 20 years ago before they went that route Uh, maybe they see something we all don't but they obviously think they're close because they keep re-signing their own guys keeping things together and that just doesn't seem to make much sense to me for a team that is what 20 some games out of first place in the National League West they're not close I, I just think they're I think they're delusional and they continue to be loyal to a fault, which loyalty doesn't really exist in professional sports. The Rockies are the, the grand exception, right? Whether it's their general managers or their veteran players or whatever the case may be, you know, at some point you got to trade these guys and get something for them. Good for him for getting the two year, $19 million deal. And I don't, I'm not saying he's not worth it, but that would make much more sense for a team that actually has a chance to compete in the next two to three years. No, 100%. I'm glad you brought up um, Todd Helton real quick because I know you say he's not on the Hall of, or not the Hall of Fame, the Mount Rushmore for Colorado athletes. So I'm questioning who's your Rockies pick that you're putting up there then? Well, Larry Walker's the only Rocket to ever win an MVP. Nolan Arenado's the best player to ever play for the organization. No, I know that's not a popular name to throw around at the moment, but 
I, I mean, you know, every year he played, he was a gold glove winner. Um, you know, he's an MVP candidate. He was, you know, as good, good as you could be in the field, great at the plate. Like he was a tremendous player. Cargo, Cargo and Larry Walker were the two truly five tool players that this organization has had. Todd Helton had a great start to his career, signed a $140 million contract and never made another all-star team. Like a truly albatross of a contract that nobody ever talks about. Um, you know, he's on the list of the all-time great Rockies players, but is he number one? No, he's just he's just not. Um, and if you say that and say, oh, maybe he's third or fourth, you know, you, somehow you're you're ripping Todd Helton. I just think there are other guys that would be higher. Larry Walker was a better player. He just couldn't stay healthy. Nolan Arenado was a much, to me, a much better player and would be a much better choice. He just forced his way out of town and, you know, burn that bridge. But if you're just being objective about it, Nolan Arenado would be the choice. All right, last one for you, James. Before we'll let you head back out to practice, what are you looking for this week for the Broncos? You know, I, to me, it's it's really about uh, whether or not they can – and this is a buzzword, so I almost hate to use it. But what I've been looking for the whole time is sort of the, the energy and the vibe around this camp. I mean, we saw it in 2019 when the Niners came in here. What they brought to the field compared to what the, the Broncos had, which was just sort of this, you know, going through the paces kind of thing. So – it's easy to do that in the first week, right? Everybody's excited to be there. First time you put on pads or 7,000 fans sitting up on the hill. But can you keep that going, you know, as we talked about earlier, when you kind of get the dog days of it here? That's really what I'm looking at. And then it's fingers crossed that nobody gets injured. That's the, that's the other part of what you're doing in, um, in today's game. So you know, those may not be two exciting answers, but that is certainly it. And then there's the position battles. What's happening at running back? What's happening at right guard? Um, you know, I think right tackle, my, my dark horse of Calvin Anderson looks like a better and better bet as, as time goes on. What happens in inside linebacker? They're bringing in some guys or thinking about bringing in some guys now, which, you know, we've all been saying for months that they ignored that position. So position battles for sure. But honestly, Rachel, it's just, hey, can this team keep it up, keep the energy up heading into week two? That's, uh, that to me is going to be a, 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 a test and it's kind of fascinating to watch. Yeah, mine is also going to be, you know, how does the tempo rise from last week? A lot of people talked about how it was very slow, not what we were expecting. So how will that rise this week? And will we see more playoff-style football now that the pads go on? So, James, as always, thank you so much. Stay cool out there at training camp and everyone else. 5.30 tonight, we're going to break down everything you need to know about a day five Broncos training camp, and we'll see everybody then. Bye, everyone.